Hello heroes, James D'Amato here. Before we get started on this episode of First Watch, I wanted to make a quick note about the audio quality in the latter half of this episode. Some of you may have heard on recent episodes of One Shot and Campaign, we've been experiencing static fuzzing and audio skipping. Two errors that we've narrowed down to some piece of equipment that we're using, but we're not quite sure which. On this particular episode, because Kat and I record in separate places, I believe we've found the culprit for audio skipping. It's something to do with Kat's computer. It's the strangest piece of corruption that I have ever heard on any sort of recording platform in all my years of podcasting. It got so bad that we had to cut the random encounter. There was just too much skipping and it was too hard to listen to. However, we still have an hour of great first watch for you guys, so I can't wait for you to listen to it. I am so, so sorry that this problem cropped up. However, now I think we might know how to fix it. There's still some skipping in this episode, though. So if you're an audio engineer and you've heard this problem before, please feel free to contact us and tell us what you think is going on, because I am out of my depth on this. Well, that's it. Please enjoy the show. Good evening, heroes. And welcome to First Watch. I'm Kat Cool. And I'm James D'Amato. And that's our introduction. Okay. We did it. We made it through. Sort of. Hey, it's been a while since we've been able to do First Watch. Kat and I have been super, super busy. Uh, Hopefully, Second Watch managed to tide you over the last time. But, uh, you know, now, in the very last throes of September, we're ready to triumphantly come back to First Watch. Kat. We start this off with a scrying by. How are you doing? I'm okay. What's scrying with you? You got anything cool, fun going on? Um, yeah. I'm uh, desperately preparing for a, uh, I guess, a, a vacation. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a desperate of, vacation. One of John's dear friends is getting married. Um, so we are taking a long road trip down to Johnny's hometown in Florida, Mm, in exotic Florida, um, for that next weekend. And then we're going to take our, take a good long time coming home. We're going to hit up Disney and see Kylo and see Vader and all of our good pals there. Yeah, they have good people there too. Um, I don't know. Yeah, they've got like Chewbacca's. Okay, okay. I want to see a Chewbacca's. I'm Um, pretty sure they've got like Obi-Wan. Hmm. I guess we can see him. He's pretty good. And they've got got a whole Jedi Academy there too. Do they? I think so, but it's for for tiny little babies, but... I'm a tiny little baby. Yeah, I'm sure you could go. Yeah, yeah. Just, we're going to do a star tour. And then we're also going to see Harry Potter World because I've haven't Ooh. done either of those things ever. I've only so you done... really. This mm-hmm. is basically a scouting mission that you're going on. Oh yeah, for when we're going to do it later at Celebration. Mm-hmm. I love that you and John are having essentially the same vacation twice in one year. <laughs> well, John's not coming on the other one. Oh, okay. Well, good. I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, he's getting to it first here. Yeah. Uh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a nice little time. It's gonna be short, you know, that we're not podcasting doesn't make the big bucks. Um so we're not the the wealthiest folk. We didn't really have a big honeymoon. We didn't really have a honeymoon. Um 
<laughs> you had a chibi moon, though. We we did. We had a chibi moon. But this is the first like real vacation that we've had ever. But it, so we're doing like two days. One one at the the just doing a star tour. One doing a Harry Potter day. And then on our drive back up, we're going to stop through Nashville and um, spend a day hanging out with one of our friends there, seeing soda shops and doing music stuff. Cause oh, neat. John, That's cool. Yeah. John's a guitar boy. Um, and He's one then, of them guitar boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then come back home. And along the way, we're going to, we're still debating what we're going to listen to, whether we're going to actually listen to podcasts, a thing that I never get to do. Or more likely, we're going to listen to audiobooks, a thing that we very much enjoy, um, a known thing of love. And whether we're going to listen to good audiobooks or terrible audiobooks, which is very fun. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of... So preparing for that, and preparing for that looks like desperately editing a lot of audio and prepping game session for the campaign that I need to run next week because we are out of campaign material, which is a very scary place to be because I need to post episodes during the time that I am away. Yeah, and God, not only have we had scheduling problems with the campaign, but you know, to peel back the curtain a little bit, there was like a really terrible glitch that we encountered the, recently. The weirdest glitch that I've ever seen with um with Evil Campaign. Because Kat and I have like had a litany of terrible things happen to us. Just like three <laughs> years podcasting, like everything imaginable has happened to us at least once. Um, but never this one. This one was just uh, ten minutes of silence in the middle of an episode. It, and it doesn't make any sense. It's not like there's any audio distortion at the end or the beginning of that silence. It's as if, like, we stared in silently <laughs> into each other's eyes and through telepathy played out 10 minutes of the game and then came right back into it. It's very it, confusing. It was um, super weird. It's super, super odd. Uh, I can only imagine that I must have messed up somehow terribly on the day. I really doubt that it's you. That was recorded on the old board, which has had a host of problems. Like there have been channels that have stopped working on that board. It's got a lot of cracking, sizzling, and popping that happened with that board. I am willing to put money down that somehow the master mute got triggered without anybody noticing. It stinks. And I remember those 10 minutes vividly. They were good 10 minutes. And it also, that was like, I think we recorded that in January. You know, that it was just such a long time ago. It's all, ugh. oh well. Um, so now it's a matter of trying to get the boys together. Because if we can get that done before I have to leave, before Wednesday, then I'll feel okay. Because then I can put that out on Wednesday. and. Right. I won't be in such a hole. Spooked. I don't know what to do. I mean, other, otherwise, like, I have I have ideas. I think we will definitely have to take a skip week, but I feel like I can come in to the rescue and come up with some filler, but it will be Trash James filler that happens in, like, the EU of campaign. Oh, it gosh. Is not, it is not Kay Kanan. We're, we're never going to get off Findar. 
Cat, like I said in the panel, 300 episodes from now, when Bike is finally over, I'm really looking forward everything. to seeing where it goes. Oh, I had so many plants. Mm-hmm. They were good character ones, Character development. Yeah, character yeah. development. Like, the three acts that roughly corresponded to the feels of the movies. It was going to be a nice campaign. Ah, oh, well. Hey, buddy, have I got a pitch for you. It's like Star Wars, but there are no visuals, and it is 350 hours long. <laughs> oh, bike. Um... Cool. So, so that, um, and then also, um, this cool thing that I voiced just launched this Indiegogo campaign. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Grumpy Witch. Grumpy Witch. Um, Grumpy Witch is a video game that is a side scroller, um, and uh, it's it's about. I think I've talked about this before. It's about uh, Amelia, who is a twelve-year-old little witch. And uh, she is uh, she is a fairly grumpy witch um, that in the fully fully envisioned version of the game you can make look like whatever you want, who sets out on her own because she is sick of dealing with people um, and then gets sucked into this little pocket dimension and uh, ventures out to try to not be there anymore. Um, um, it's Nate. It's a really cool little game, and it's on Indiegogo now, and you can go demo it. There's a fully playable demo that is also fully voiced, um, and I am the main character. I'm Amelia. Um, so if you and it's like the first two levels of the game, right? That's demoable or first two stages or something like yep, that. Yep, first two stages. So it sounds like a pretty in like intense demo that you actually get to come away with a lot and a good feel for it. Um, now, something that I am confused about, I don't know how Indiegogo works, because I see projects on Indiegogo that I feel like hang around for a super long time. Is there a funding period for Grumpy Witch? I think it's up for a month. I'm not sure how everything works there. But I think the main funding period is for a month. But it's also like on a flexible funding thing, so I don't know. Um, I know that the, the game is set to come out in 2018. Okay. But... Yeah, like as far as I know, it's like a one month campaign. Um, so it's a limited backing time. So please check it out if you are so inclined. Um, they they could use the help. They you know they need it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like it's Cat's voice in the game, and you can like listen to her. She's in the Kickstarter video too, doing her little witch voice. It's it's very cute. I would really, really love to voice the full game. Um, it's They've been a delight to work with. All of the art for this game is adorable. Um, one of my favorite things about it um, is that uh, along the way, about the full game and everything, is that along the way you get to outfit her kind of like Cardcaptor Sakura and all of her outfits have like real world cosplay patterns. Mm-hmm. So I can make all of her outfits and then at conventions I can just go around being her because I voice her. So there is nothing holding me back from just straight up being Amelia at things. And, um, and she looks like everyone, right? She, she can look however you want. So Yes. So she can just, she, 
any every girl is Amelia. Um, so I can be I can just straight up be Amelia because everything about her is actually me. So please help that be a reality. Make my dreams come true and help fund this game. It, it would be it would be real neat. Well, cool. I, I I can't wait to see where that project goes, and I hope I get a chance to play the full game. So I guess that brings it over to my scry. Uh, so much happened. Kat and I obviously went to Gen Con. We're going to be talking about that later on First Watch, uh, so don't worry about missing that. But the beginning of this month, September, uh, Mel and I also went to a wedding. Uh, we went to the wedding of our friends Lex and Cynthia, who are two friends of Kat and I's from college. And I got to see a bunch of people from our old gaming club there. Um, it was really cool. The Zach was there. Ben Striegel was there. Steven Dixon, our first ever game master was there and we we got to hang out with folks and play noisy person cards which was really cool it was just a fun time and cool to catch up with people who you know so many people at that wedding were instrumental in helping cat and i you know get into games and and become the game masters that we are today so it was cool to to meet them or see them again and you know, a lot of people said some nice things about uh, One Shot, which was cool, and got to catch up with people. Also, Lex and Cynthia had a bounce house at their wedding. That's so the best thing to have. Really, really good choice for a wedding. Um, it was super fun. Goodness, what else have I been doing? I guess in the time since the last first watch, we uh, got the merch shop off the ground. That's over on Redbubble. Redbubble, like, I I feel like this is sort of a temporary measure. I, I really like a lot of the products that Redbubble does, but their clothing, I'm sort of on the fence about. I really like the Back to Basics print. I feel like we have done the one-shot print and the campaign print better from other sources, but, you know, we got to work with what we have. And until we have the money to really uh, put forth a good merchandise wing, I think Redbubble is very good because, you know, whether or not I like the prints, the shirts are actually very nice. And it's cool to not have to worry about uh, whether we're going to have shirts that fit everybody and whether we're going to have the styles and colors that everybody likes um, because it's all sort of laid out there and pretty easy to do that way. So it's a huge weight off my mind that you know that is out there as an option for people like if you can't afford the t-shirt club you can still buy a t-shirt which is great and if you're in the t-shirt club we have a way of much faster producing new shirts and sending them out to people so i am very happy about that other things god cat what have i been doing with my life we've been oh. working um we've been yeah i've been working so so much work <laughs> oh we added new people to the network oh, i yeah! feel like this qualifies as a scry do we get to talk um, about that yeah we can definitely talk about I, I don't think we can talk about the specific projects except jim's jim has announced his so uh we can talk about well, we that we can just talk about pranks i mean yes we can talk about pranks so our buddy pranks paul who we do a show called Never Tell Me the Pods with. Oh, gosh, what a uh, good show. We actually met him last year at ValorCon. Which um, is coming up this weekend. Which is coming guess, up this weekend. I guess by the time this comes out. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> if I'm happened. very speedy, I could get it up but before then, but I, I don't know. It depends on what my Friday looks like. Who <laughs> knows? But yeah, we, we met him at ValorCon and he was like we met him as a fan and you know he lives in chicago and he is a lawyer so he helped us like not with legal advice specifically but like he he helped us with the business things that like somebody who was a lawyer could go oh no you guys are stupid you can't do that so that was a huge help to us and through that process he's just become our very good friend and he knows so much about star wars and he's the, the way so that, good at doing puns. <laughs> yeah, the way that I met him wasn't even really that that way. It's he came up to the booth at ValorCon and he was like, "You do campaign?" And I was like, "Yes." And um he put a binder down and he's like, "This is my campaign. Um also this is uh uh and I think he showed me a West End thing and I'm like, "Oh yeah." West End stuff's cool. And he was like, yeah, um, you seem to know a bit about the EU. And I was like, yeah, I know a bit about the EU. And he was like, um, cool. If you ever want to talk about it, because I don't think the guys care. And I was like, yeah, they don't care. But I would like to talk <laughs> about it sometimes. And he was like, okay, cool. And then he like shuffled away. And then later on in ValorCon, he shuffled back and we talked about the EU. And then I feel like that just sped up a year and now he's like one of my best, best friends. Yeah, yeah. We now have the foresight to record those conversations that you guys have about Star Wars. So that's good. <laughs> oh, James, profiting off of friend conversations. I feel like if people are talking, there should be microphones in front of them. There's no reason that it You're should be lost. The worst. I'm the greatest. Uh uh, Never Tell Me the so, Pods is really good, though. I, I really like doing it. Panks describes it as uh, Star Wars therapy, and I think that he's right. I I would agree with that. I, I feel like it's a lot of really personal, deep connections that people have to Star Wars, and that's what comes out in front of the mics for Never Tell Me the Pods, which is really cool. Um, anyway, is, he's coming onto the network. <laughs> yeah, he's developing a new actual play program. Uh we cannot release the details of that yet because I think he wants to go through like a pilot period recording some things before he commits to it. But I expect we're going to have a show from him by January. Uh, but, you know, we're very, very excited to be working with him on that. Um, if you want to know what Pranks is like as a GM on our YouTube archive for our Twitch stream, Pranks ran a uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire Force and Destiny adventure about uh, looking for Luke Skywalker's cat that Han Solo carelessly gave to him as a gift. It's a delight and Aww. you should definitely check that out he's just a fun person to to be around and he's so enthusiastic about so many different things i'm very very happy that we're going to be working with him on a show so with uh that said the other show that we're adding to our network is going to be by jim mcclure it will also be an actual play program and he is going to do he's like pitched it to me as sort of like a mini campaigns program but for the first 30 or so episodes that he's going to be doing he's going to be running it in a game system that he's play testing called the satanic panic um and the satanic panic 
the high concept premise is all of those terrible things that they said about role-playing games in the 80s were real and gaming groups are really summoning demons and devils into this world and the government has to shut it down so you play government agents shutting down satanic uh gaming groups it sounds like it's going to be a delight uh and i have never heard jim run a like light-hearted game before like i'm aware that he does it with a terrible rpg all the time it's just every game he always that does I've super dramatic jim, things yeah Every yeah, every time I've played with him, and every time I've like listened to an actual play, it has been heavy stuff. So I'm sure that this will have dramatic moments. Uh, yes, it sounds like there will be some dramatic moments. I, I'm just so excited to see Jim do something uh, lighthearted and silly. Um, yeah. So yeah. I can't I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it's gonna be but great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, all the other stuff that I've been doing, I've been doing so much network-related stuff, and uh, I've been dealing with some family problems. Uh, those of you who listen to the Nerdalogs podcast uh, know about that. I don't know that I necessarily want to talk about it here right now. I think I'm going to have to talk about it on a first watch eventually, but, uh, you know, right right now, it's on top of all of the... Uh, one shot stress like that is that normally comes with dealing with the network uh I, i've got some family stuff that's been eating away at me right now my depression's been coming back in a big way that's been very clear to me um but maybe we should at some point talk about all of our stuff but i don't think it's the time yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll have to think about doing something like that as a segment in the future because i when i mentioned that i was looking for therapy for our next patreon goal i did get an email like emails and tweets from a couple people that you know thanked me for doing that because like having somebody say that they need that help would encourage other people to get that and to be honest i did not think of that at all when i put that out it's just like kat and i had a meeting and we decided hey it would be a good idea if we could take care of these vital necessary things we should have a patreon goal for it and i was Mm -hmm. like yeah you're absolutely right we should be taking care of ourselves in those necessary ways yeah, uh, I think it's time to move on to something sillier, and that would be buy. Did you buy anything cool recently, Kat? I don't buy things. That's I'm. Um, I've been out of work that isn't network work for a long time. I am now what is officially known as a starving artist. But uh, so like the last thing that I have purchased for myself is uh, a thing that came in. Um, but uh, I talked about on the Sailor Business podcast, um, my uh, my Black Lady figure arts figure. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. She came in. I haven't put her together yet, but I have her in, in the box and I'm all, ooh. Um, so um, that is uh, Sailor Chibi Moon's adult transformed dark counterpart um, that that I was incredibly enamored with as a child and still am very much so. Um I think the best feature that she has is um, she came with a uh, you know, badminton racket and shuttlecock and well, <laughs> yeah, the, that um, she's really, really, really cool. Um, I don't get a lot of 
uh, anime figurines at all. I only get Magical Girl figure arts. I only Chibi Moon twice now. Um, and then Cardcaptor Sakura are my only ones. So that was very did exciting. Did Chibi Moon get the full figure arts treatment? Okay, she did. As as Cat, mm-hmm. instead of answering me on the audio medium, just holds up the figure. Yes. <laughs> oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Well, I, uh, we can move on to buy for me. I have recently purchased uh, two games. Well, I guess one's not a recent purchase. So I was a backer for Masks on Kickstarter. And I am right now organizing a game of masks that I'm going to be playing in November uh, when I go out to visit L.A. I'm going to be visiting some of our friends there who work in the comics industry. I'm really excited to have them play the game. I don't want to announce anybody's name because, like, I know that schedules can shift and not everybody will show up to the table. But I am super, super excited to be playing games uh, with these folks. Um, Masks looks cool, too. And Masks looks cool. Like, one of them, (sighs) there is a character who is called, or there is a a playbook called The Delinquent, uh, who I I posted on Twitter, has JPC's dumb smile. The worst. Like, in the most perfect, terrible, trash way. And when I when I sent over the book to them, like, hey, look over the playbooks, tell me what you want. Somebody responded that was like, oh, my God, the delinquent. So (laughs) I'm just I'm very, very excited for that game because it it seems like all those people who I've I've only played with one of them once. uh, It seems like we all click on the kind of game that we want out of teen superheroes, uh, which makes me very, very excited. Um, yeah, that's so, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, masks looks really cool. Uh, it, it makes an effort to talk about comics history and social justice. Uh, it goes through the era of like superheroes, like it's got the golden, silver, bronze, and modern age, and it layers on top of that. It's like silver age heroes are still around, and for the most part, they still run the world, and. Bronze and modern age heroes uh, don't really like that because it feels like they never get a chance to impose their ideas on the world. And it's just, there's a lot of stuff layered into that. They, they go out of the way to make their uh, Halcyon City, the core city for the universe, a diverse place. Uh, they come up with like in-universe reasons for why people of all sorts of different cultures have decided to settle down there. So all of the things that people complain about, uh, like when social justice things come into games, like, oh, this isn't realistic. This doesn't make any sense. That's all wiped away. And they're just like, no, it's part of our universe. And you have to deal with that if you want to play the game or if you want to play it properly, which I think is I think is a lot of fun. I I really like that. And I really like the people involved. And the art is adorable seriously go check out some art i have a crush on literally every iconic character that they have for that game they're all delightful um and i can't wait to play uh the other thing that i bought which is probably the trashiest thing that i have bought in years it is kindred spirits on the roof it's a uh what you call it it's a dating sim game uh, ah! 
that one. It's, that one. It's so much better than that because it's not really a dating sim because the story is that it's a matchmaking sim. Yeah. No, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. You you play, like, the conceit of this game, you play someone who goes to an all-girls school and she's having lunch on the roof one day and two ghosts out of nowhere show up and accost her. And she's like, what are you doing, ghosts? And the ghosts are like, oh, you can hear us. We need you to go around school and make these girls who are flirting with each other get together. It's worse than that, James. We need you to get them to get together so that they have sex in the school. (laughs) I I have not not gotten there yet. Okay. Because (laughs) that's what it is, James. One of the ghosts James. one of the ghosts has the power one of the ghosts has the power to tell when people are like feel sense other people's emotions. So she uses that to figure out who in school has crushes on each other. Aww. And but she can't do anything because she can't communicate with people. She can't do anything to like make them get together. And she wants people to get together because she died like 90 years ago and her girlfriend died like 30 years ago and they found each other as ghosts. And they died like having never experienced a relationship before. So they're thinking if they can prevent other people from dying with the same frustration that they'll get to pass on. So they like rope you who... You're, the the main character I kind of love. She never even thought about the fact that people are probably lesbians at her school, and <laughs> and she's like, I have I've never even considered this, and now I have to go around and like get involved. <laughs> so, have you had like, a lot of time to play? I would need to know which ones are your favorite favorite couples because everyone's I, so I, cute. I have only seen one couple i have not had a lot of time to play i sort of you know i play every time i get a free minute and i'm in front of my computer which isn't often so i think i'm only like a day or so into the game which is why like i haven't hit on the main premise yet like i don't know that these ghosts are like voyeuristic perv ghosts or anything like that yeah i think that um just based on watching the preview and then watching all of the things that are like um, where you get to see the different couples, and because man, I'm I was very excited about this game. Maybe you'll get to play one day. I think that they get to experience ghost sex if if the different couples have sex in the school um, by possessing <laughs> the bodies or something. It's a trash game. It's a but it's a cute trash game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've never played any sort of dating sim before. Like I've played really? Harvest Moon. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. I've played Harvest Moon and that is it. Uh that's the closest I've ever gotten and the thing that I liked most about Harvest Moon was the relationship thing, like getting gifts for your prospective partner and like courting them and going through all their cutscenes and stuff was the thing that I had the most fun with as a kid, predictably because I'm me. Uh but dating sims had this weird stigma attached to them. And, like, I guess they still do because, like, a lot of them are very sex-focused. But, you know, I really love... I guess Dragon Age is technically a dating sim. Did we play Tea Witch, that terrible one that I get got that that was specifically G-rated that 
because all they did to make it G-rated was cut out the sex scenes. <laughs> there were still sex scenes that would be in the game, but they cut them. Yeah, did you do you remember that? Uh, I had no, it in college. I, I never got to. I never got to play. You played oh. that with Paul. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I, I never, I, I never got a chance to like play a dating sim, and I, I will say some of it is is weird and feels weird. Oh, no, I guess that's not true because I also very recently uh, for Bits on Bits played Hatofu Boyfriend. Right. So I'm, I'm familiar with that and I'm familiar with the formula of dating sims, but it's been like this weird little section of video game culture that I haven't had access to because like all of the things that I've heard about dating sims is that the entire genre is trash. So I assume there must be good dating sims out there but i've just been completely cut off from the genre so this is my first time getting to dip my toe into it and the thing that sort of appealed to me about this game is that like it's a matchmaker simulator so i get to i, I get to do the thing that i do at rpg tables all the time and go jane and pliff should kiss right that was like, one of that was probably the thing i liked best about harvest moon 64 was getting all of the other people together mm -hmm. yeah but like it, it's it's a fun thing like i i won't i won't poo poo you know experiencing a romance as a player character because i liked dragon age and and i played around with that a lot it, i just the thing that both you and i wanted out of dragon age was the ability to get other people to hook up and we're the we only love gods that. Yeah, we're the only love gods. We're terrible. That's what we're like as people. We just like getting other people to smooch. Man, maybe that's a RPG that you and I should design together. Is we we're are the, the only, only love, love gods. gods. Yeah, we where probably you should. Abstractly try to get different people together. Oh, that would be fun. What terrible people love us? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, oh, I guess the other scry thing that I can sort of talk about um, is uh, I have been designing two role-playing systems. Uh, I think only one to test out at Metatopia. Um, and they're, they're both microsystems. They're both really, really small um, and a very focused concept. The first uh, is Call Center, the role-playing game. Oh, yeah, yeah, Call Center. Yeah, and I... Um, I, I, I am a travel agent, but most of my responsibilities are taking calls from customers um, and talking to them about things. So it's, it is just being in a call center. Even though I am a travel agent and, and getting paid like a travel agent, I am, I am in a call center. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a, the game is sort of brings those frustrations to light and sort of helps people cathartically move through that in the way that uh, people cathartically got an experience out of millennial apartment hunters. So it's sort of helping us deal with those problems by mocking it. Uh, the other one is a game that it's a game called will they won't they, and it might be, I can't remember the word, but there's a German word for games that are not meant to be played. And it might be in that category because I don't think, like the only circumstances under which it really works, I think are uh, circumstances where nobody would want to play. Yeah. Um, the conceit of the game is that you play through people meeting and then having their first kiss. 
And when you get to the first kiss, you kiss as those characters. And the the mechanics of the game and what drives the game and makes it work is how uncomfortable you feel about uh, having to do that and actually kiss the person that you're playing with. So even though, hey, that sounds like a fun game that you could play with your significant other, it really doesn't work if you play it with your significant other because you won't feel nervous about kissing your significant other. Um, And like the mechanical components that I'm working with is you start playing the game sitting across from the table, uh, across the table from one another, um the the next scene you're sitting next to each other and you have to end the scene by holding hands and the third scene you are sitting on a couch next to each other and if the characters kiss if it's a will they situation you kiss and that kiss is the first kiss of those characters but yeah the like the the only mechanics in the game there's there's no rolling or any other sort of randomization the mechanics is how the game is manipulating you by putting you in uncomfortable situations. Right. So I think it, it works best when it's somebody that you haven't had any sort of romantic contact with, uh, which means almost I feel like nobody would ever want to play it. Uh, but I'm going to write it anyway and, and see how that goes um, just because it's a fun exercise. Yeah, no, um, that probably works. And I, yeah, I really, I would really like to hear about somebody playing that game. I want to know how how that goes. Yeah. And I cannot wait to commission uh, art for it. That's going to be super fun. But yeah, I'll be probably updating people about that later. Uh, So yeah, that's all I got. Cool. Very cool. Ready to Are you going to move that back to the scry section? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? So I'm going to do whatever's easiest in the moment. James doesn't care about the rules. Maybe we should talk about that. What? The rules? How, the rules. How great the rules are. How great the rules are? Yeah. Coolest things in the world, Cat, are being nice and following the rules. Oh, Nothing cooler can, than that. I disagree on both points. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, think of the person who isn't nice and doesn't follow the rules. It's Donald Trump. Well, I mean, not exactly. That's the that's taken to an extreme. That's not actually what you said. Coolest thing in the world, being nice, following the rules. Superman. Who's cooler than Superman? No one. No one. Superman's really cool. <laughs> not many people are cooler than Superman. He Maybe no one. But that doesn't mean um, that the coolest things are being nice and following the rules. Well, agree to disagree on that. Um, I think it's time that we turn this over to Knowledge Gen Con. What a lazy knowledge. <laughs> what a lazy knowledge. This year, Kat and I, and uh, actually everybody uh, except for Pat, uh, who is part of the One Shot Network, went to Gen Con. And all of the hosts, had, yeah. Yay, Gen yeah, Con. All of the hosts. For, for those in the audience who don't know uh, the various conventions, Gen Con is the largest gaming convention in the United States. It's specifically notable, apart from its size, for being really focused on role-playing games. For role-playing games, there is probably not a larger gathering. There are a bunch of other conventions that are great that you can get role-playing game stuff from, like Origins, uh, but 
Gen Con is the convention for RPGs. So for us, it is like a big industry thing. Um, you sounded like you were about to speak. For, um, you said for us, it is like a big. It is like a big industry thing. Uh, it, yeah, it's like it's, um, our San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we it, it's we do see people that we don't get to see anywhere else when we're at Gen Con, but it unfortunately is not mostly about seeing people for us because we're on the industry side of things. I think the first couple Gen Cons that we did, we were going to play in games. Uh, yeah, back when I organizing. was my first one, I was eighteen. Um, so it was mostly back then about. Yeah, it was really fun. It was about um, being wowed by how huge the hall was, um, about learning new games, about playing so many different things, um, and uh, trying out um, types of gaming that I'd never experienced before. Because even though I'd done um, like role-playing games, period, um, I hadn't done wargaming. I hadn't tried... Um, different types of collectible card stuff. Um, and all of that is present at Gen Con. And all of those things are still true. Um, so even though we're on the industry side, so many people are there still doing those things that were fun for me back when I was 18. Yeah, I, I really do think Gen Con is a sort of convention because it's so big. You can get what you're looking for there no matter what. Because there are a lot of people who show up to Gen Con and their entire convention is just playing Magic the Gathering in the card hall. There or is... doing True Dungeon, which is like um, D&D's proprietary living uh, LARP of D&D stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a crazy amount of things to do at Gen Con, um, which, is like, it, it, which is why it's fun that we get to go every year. And kind of lame that we are sort of stuck in our industry roles now because, like, yeah. I, I don't get the chance to. I, I think the most fun that I've had at Gen Con has been running convention games. That is, like, there were there was a couple years, like two or three years, that I would go, and I would be running games twelve hours a day for like new and different people. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I, I met so many cool people. There was, uh, I, like, for the last two years that I was doing that, there was this family of people that I'd say, like, it was a very big family. There must have been six or seven of them. And they would play one of my games as a family, like, as sort of a yearly tradition because they did it with the first Pulp Cthulhu thing that I ran for them. And they were just really, really cute. They were just so, so nice. Um, That's adorable. And, you know, like, there's no other context that I, I would meet a, a family that plays games together. The the teenage girl in that family made the most delightful choice in a role-playing game, I feel like, that I've ever seen. Uh, she was playing Buffy the Vampire Slayer in one of my Pulp Cthulhu games. And she realized that the Necronomicon could bring people back to life. And she was like, this can bring people back to life? I'm stealing it. I am one of the heroes of this game and I'm stealing this book for myself so that I can save Angel from being a vampire. And yeah. it was just like, it changed everything in that moment. Like they had defeated the villain. They had already won. And this teenage girl is just like made a decision as a teenage girl character. 
That's that good. only a teenage girl could like think of that. It's so brilliant. It's perfect. Oh. <laughs> so, so it's moments like that that I miss out of Gen Con. But what we get to replace them with is hanging out with our cool friends and doing panels. Yeah, yeah. That's the the fun for Gen Con for me for the past few years has been getting to run panels. That's like that's some tap stuff. That is. Um, <laughs> I, I shush. I'm a nerd. It's terrible. I like educational panels. Um, yeah, yeah, you're a nerd. You don't need to tell me you're a nerd because you break rules all the time. It's terrible. Yeah, I really. And sometimes you're mean to people. It feels, it feels really good when I, when I give a a very well thought out and planned educational panel that I feel made good use of the time, and that I'm like, yes, the the audience got that information because it was well-spaced and well-articulated. That's the thrill of Gen Con for me now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I have to say, I I think your panels were, like, thrilling and exhilarating. (laughs) Thank Um, you. And Patreon backers are going to get to hear those. Like, don't take it from me, heroes, because uh, you'll be able to hear them yourself when I put them up. I have already edited our Romance and Games panel uh, with Alex Roberts that we did. Um, that's going to be going up soon. Kat also did a panel with Jim McClure about how villains and how they operate in games. And my goodness, that was an interesting panel. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I had the good fortune of sitting in the back and listening to that Um you know, I, I don't think it's any secret, even though Kat and I share a lot of ideas about role-playing, like, we have very different opinions on very specific subjects. And the same thing for Jim and I. Jim Jim is my brother. You know, Jim is uh, a person that I feel like a real connection to gaming-wise, uh, but we have very different opinions about things. So hearing you guys get to lay out your ideas about this wide subject in gaming was fascinating. Um, and I feel like I came away with stuff that I'll be able to uh, take to my own games. Um, so I learned something, which is cool. 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 That's useful. Do you have stuff you think you can teach me about villains? We should. You should tell me. I don't know about villains. And mainly because I don't get to run campaigns. So... Most of the villains that I manage are incredibly one-dimensional. Sure, sure, sure. Even in the games that were, I'd say, the most intense that I ran, it leaned pretty heavily on the villain being a one-dimensional character that only fills the role of antagonist. I'd say the most complex villain that I have been able to like think up and talk through is is one that you're going to play, and that would be if we get to do our Zelda game, Princess oh! Zelda. Okay, got it. Because like she's she's not always a villain; she's normally a hero. We shouldn't um, talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that part people already know. So like, I I really have not gotten a chance to dig into a villain because I haven't run a long form game in so long. And the only other long form game that I managed to run was our the first game that I ever ran. (laughs) And 
that one had a bunch of one-dimensional villains because I was still finding my feet. Sure, sure. No, that makes sense. I don't know that I could teach you things about that, but I do know that at least antagonists and rivals, we we had something of uh, different opinions about as far as like when to kill somebody and when not to kill somebody. Um, I am of the comic book mindset where I feel like it's almost always more interesting that everybody lives so that they can fight you again. Um, Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I disagree. And you're you're willing because to I, let go of things, so I don't know that I could teach you anything, but I yeah. could certainly explain my perspective in sure. a more yeah, specific yeah, yeah. way than I have. I think that I think that 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 serves a purpose depending on the campaign, but um, I also think that death serves a role because if you let death happen enough times, it gets people used to the idea that people die, and death serves a purpose in this campaign. Death can continue to happen, so yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and and that's that's something that uh, through no fault of your own, uh, but that is like a storytelling ethos that is getting more and more popular in storytelling, and I really don't like it. Um, it's in an interview that they did. The Duffer Brothers, who did Stranger Things, talked about how that's how they want to use death on their show, uh, like Game of Thrones, to make it so that the people watching it don't feel safe about characters. Oh. And, I'm not interested in making yeah. people not feel safe about characters. That's ugh, that's not the point. The point isn't like, ooh, nobody's safe. The point is that um, like people who are important will die sometimes. And I don't uh, think that's true. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, but it is true because death is an important part of life and an important well, part of storytelling. Well, well. We'll see about that. I don't think I don't think that that necessarily It's an important part of the stories that I'm telling because it's an important part of my life. People have died that I love. Um and people that like they're going to continue to die. It's an important part of the world that we live in and it's an important part of like the stories that I grew up on. Um it's something I want to explore. It's an important and it's a thing that Star Wars explores. Um so if I let people who aren't important to to campaign die sometimes um people who aren't actually rivals die then people get used to it if they're actually a rival i might let them stick around but people who aren't like flashing lights rivals they might die it's an okay thing it's an area where cat cat and i have like different perspectives on it and i i think I, 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 well, I don't think I could teach you anything, like getting back to like why we were talking about this. I definitely don't yeah. think I could teach you anything, but I could, I could explain my viewpoint and like, you'd go, oh, that's a different way of thinking. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, cool, cool. But let's um, see. Yeah. So Gen Con, other Gen Con cool things. I was so sad I didn't get to go to the food trucks. There were so many cool ones this year, but that's kind of because I have a lot of dietary restrictions right now. Yeah, I only got to have two food truck meals. Uh, I got to meet up with some folks that uh, I that that's got. That, I think it's called Dirt Bags of Holding. Um, they do an actual play uh, thing on Twitch, and I hung out with them for Roll Twenty Con. So when the convention started, I showed them where the Diana Jones Awards were. And we got to get ice cream from a 
ice cream truck that was there and that was fun and the other meal that i got food truck wise was this chinese meal that mel brought me in the middle of the day that saved my life because i hadn't eaten food in hours and i was going to drop dead Mm. and there was a line for everything and then mel brought me this little paper container full of noodles and it oh god it saved me (laughs) good job mel very important at cons to take care of yourself you need to eat and drink water and go Mm -hmm. to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and wash your hands not just because you went to the bathroom just wash your hands whenever you can because people are sick yeah yeah and it's like there's an entire new city's worth of people in the case of Gen Con that has moved into a very, very small area. So you have no idea what, what germs are passing through there. Um, but I highly recommend, if you get the chance, to eat anywhere at Gen Con, to eat at the food trucks. Because we're doing this corporate thing, uh, mostly we had to eat at sit-down restaurants because it was just easier for us to charge it to the company that way. Food, the, doing the food trucks, you get a much larger diversity of food and it is way cheaper. So word to the wise there. If, you, if you're eating at Gen Con, eat at the food trucks and don't eat at regular meal times. The other thing that, that I got to do that I was very happy about is catch up with old friends. Keith Baker was there and I got to have lunch with Keith this year and uh, we decided to collaborate on a project which you guys are going to be seeing in early October. I'm very, very excited about it. Keith is the designer for Phoenix Dawn Command, and he came up with Eberron, and he's working on a new board game. You also might know I him think from. Is... Oh, you also might Gloom. know him from Gloom. Oh yes, right, right, right. Keith has done too many things uh, that are wonderful to 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 name all of them. He also did Doom that came to Atlantic City, and all the bad things were not his fault. The the game yes. itself is very good. That's yes, that's the it had a disastrous Kickstarter campaign, but he has had nothing to do with any of that. He is all of the good parts of that game. Um, Keith Baker is like my gaming mentor. We brought him to our our college back in the day to to talk when and we he has been nothing the student, but a, yes, when, when we I conned, conned the student the, government into <laughs> when I conned the student government into giving us quite a lot of money. Uh he I mean, we say that. It was fair. <laughs> Um, it was definitely fair. Uh, he's been a, a wonderful force of of light and good um, in our lives. Yeah, uh, Ilamat, his his new game is pretty cool. I you- cannot wait to play it with you because you're going to be good at it, and it's going to be fun to play with you. Yes, I can't um, wait to. I've been I've been impeded by my health at every turn uh, in attempts to play this game, but it looks amazing. It's not only a beautiful game; it is exactly the sort of game that i want to play yeah yeah uh <sighs> yeah. so we we will be releasing details about our collaboration in support of Ilamat soon i think you guys are really really gonna love it um I, i've seen what pat has put together so far and oh my goodness it is beautiful so yeah catching up with keith was fun and like sort of catching up with uh ken and will because even though like uh, ken height and will heinbarch live in chicago i almost never get to see them um and gen yeah, con is like the i place. only saw will in passing on one day um it was just like n- tipping my hat to him that's really that's really all it was i didn't even see avi you know that's the yeah. i'll get to see her in metatopia 
Um, I really didn't see people um, outside of the One Shot Network. It was mostly getting to catch up with them, <laughs> which was lovely. <laughs> but it was. It was lovely. Um, getting to talk to, to Meg and Alex and Jim was a f- phenomenal, phenomenal time. Um, really, really good stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I am so happy that, that we got to hang out with, with uh, Meg and Alex and Jim. It's, I'm so glad that they were all there in the same place hanging out as a group. That was so much fun. I miss them sometimes. Even though we mostly hang out over the internet, it's like it was so nice to see them in person. Yeah, darn you distance. Oh, the other fun thing that we did at Gen Con was uh, the campaign panel, the campaign in-character panel. I had so much fun doing that. Uh, yeah, that was that was good. Um, that was quite enjoyable. You can listen to it online. It's all, it's up on the main campaign feed. Um, yeah, that was enjoyable. I liked the the bit where where I got to where Tam Tamlin and Lynn got into an argument. That was. That was fun. That was fun. I, I liked I liked the new code names that we came up with. Syntax. Syntax and context. Whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was the first time that we have done any in-character stuff like as a live show performance. Um, oh, I thought that you guys did a show once, I think... didn't you? I thought that you boys did one, didn't you? I thought that you oh, did an improv we did. show. We did. Yeah, we never mind. In Chicago, we opened for improvised Star Trek with like a weird improvised version of campaign, uh, which was definitely not Kanan. Um, I thought that you did like a minutes or something that you or a debrief. So yeah, the the structure of that we we did a a debrief, a mission debrief together. Um, and we also cut to the mission itself and yeah, like what we that. did there it was it was really stupid and really fun i guess like long story short on that i really like the idea of doing panels in character and even more i like the idea of the premise is the characters themselves are doing a panel mm-hmm. um yeah it, i can't was, i cannot wait to do very a natural. campaign uh Uh, so yeah like that that's going to be fun and that that'll be a thing that like for live shows it's always so hard to figure out what to do because like we're known for role-playing games but role-playing games take a couple hours and for a live show you you don't necessarily have that time um but yeah like it, it was a blast doing that yeah it was fun the i don't know i feel like yeah the campaign kids are such brats that just having them be around in a space saying nonsense feels like the right thing. Um, so I, I want to, because Gen Con is like this crazy consumer capital, and because most of the time we're buying games, and that's for the network, and it's not us spending our own money, we get to be a little bit looser with, with our funds for Gen Con than we normally are. So Kat, I am going to have us go, what is A, our favorite thing that we got from Gen Con, and B, what is the thing that has eluded us the most, that even though we bought it, it's still sitting on our shelves mocking us because we haven't got a chance to play it yet? Okay, for me, that is the same thing. Um, That is Fall of Magic by Heart of the Deernicorn. Fall of Magic is a beautiful game that is a scroll um, that is like 
that's not doing it justice. Um, that, that is, yeah, that that is an exquisitely made canvas, five to seven foot scroll that is painted. Um, that is like a magical land. Um, and you unroll it to play, and it's like hand painted and sewn and metal stamped and we got the uh it won um which which award you want it you were at those uh, the, yeah it was at the idgn um oh goodness trailblazer i think it was called mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um uh it's a yeah it's a collaborative story game where you play this land where i think ma- magic is dying it looks Phenomenal. I can't wait to play. I have no idea when I'm ever going to because we have to definitely play with the video element. Like, it's too beautiful to not. We also got the last copy at Gen Con. Yeah, we it's were It's a $70 lucky. game. We were freaking lucky. It, it was a $70 game there. It's normally $95. It is freaking... I'm so happy about it and so sad that I have no idea when we're going to get to play this thing. Don't worry. Like, we are going to get to play it fairly easily, I think, after we move to the new Peach Pit, probably. Okay, um, cool. Well, we need to play in the autumn. It's, on- it's an autumn game. We can put on cozy sweaters and make a tea and play. Okay, well... Playing in the autumn makes it trickier. We might have to do it in December or January. But... Fine, but it has to be a good blustery day, James. It has to be yeah, really blustery. It'll be Chicago's blustery, which is just a demon cold that sucks the life out of your body. Well, not Radical Face, because we do not have the rights to that music. We have to uh, talk to him and explain the game, and he'll let us use the music. I feel like that's actually pretty reasonable. Like, that could be done. Yep. But, yes, Fall of Magic is gorgeous, and I do think that we have a camera set up that is going to be good for it, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, for me, uh, the thing that has turned out to be the best purchase that I made at Gen Con was Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. Uh, it is the Cthulhu-themed pandemic, and unlike most games that just come with the Cthulhu theme, they really changed some of the mechanics and switched up the dynamic of the game. It, you come away with a very intense experience. Like For those who know Pandemic, it is a hard game. Just The core version of that game is very difficult. Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu is so much harder, and I love Pandemic. It is my favorite board game of all time because it is a collaborative game that is punishing and difficult and pandemic reign of cthulhu did not disappoint i have played that game five or six times since getting it i have played it on the normal difficulty every time and lost every single game oh, oh uh, wow maybe i should pick it some up games, cool. yeah some games are not even close they're just like you get friggin wrecked right um but yeah uh, i'm going to be marathon playing that game uh in october uh we've set aside a day where from 10 a.m to 5 p.m on the one shot twitch stream we are going to play that game on hard mode until we win uh oh cool yeah (laughs) i i honestly don't know if we win and i have to think of like a punishment for myself if we lose so i gotta i gotta figure that out but yeah I really liked that. And the one that is eluding me right now 
is a Kickstarter game that I picked up at Gen Con called Vast, the Crystal Caverns. It's a competitive dungeon crawling game where people play different aspects of the dungeon crawl competing with each other. Somebody plays a dragon that is sleeping and trying to wake up. Somebody plays a hero going through a cave. Somebody plays a pack of goblins that live in the cave. And somebody plays the cave itself. Each player has a different set of rules that are completely unique and interesting. They all interact in this competitive environment. Uh, I can't wait to play it, but it's a real challenge to play because you need people who will agree to, yes, I will learn an entirely new set of rules just to play this game. Right. But yeah, I, I expect to be able to play it at some point. Uh, it's a really cool looking game.